Hi and welcome to Create School Radio. On this show, we celebrate the creativity of some of the hardworking students that we meet on a weekly basis around Ireland. Whether it's through our on-site workshops in their schools or online through our creative digital media skills courses. We deliver workshops in a whole range of creative digital skills, including podcasting, music production, stop. We're always delighted with the level of imagination, confidence and willingness to learn the students we work with possess, and we're equally to share their work with you. I'll also be interviewing Peter Baxter, the Managing Director of Experiences over the past two decades, delivering workshops. First, we're going to hear a trailer for a podcast called Mythical Rewind, made by Nicole in St. Mary's Arklow. This was made around... You've heard of the legends of Dracula and Frankenstein, but have you heard of the Black-Eyed Children or the Hookman? Well, we have the podcast for you. Mythical Rewind will leave you hanging on the edge of your seat. Listen to us on Spotify or find us at www.mythicalrewind.com. Beware! We will sell you a dream and deliver a nightmare. Here it is, Halloween, all year round! Next up, we have a radio drama from Danny in Holy Rosary College. In our podcasting workshops, we ask our students to script and record their own radio drama and then add accompanying music and sound effects. This is Danny's radio drama. How did this apocalypse start again? Okay. That final room. Jesus Christ! Oh, a car. Sometime later. Hey, hey, watch out for the train. Oh, God. Several hours of driving later. Oh, hey, you, you, get in the car, quick, there's a zombie apocalypse. I will kill you. Oh. Next, we're heading to Ashbourne Community School, where Nick is going to talk to us about the new MacBook Pro M1 series and give his opinion on whether you should snap one up or wait to buy it.
Hello everybody, and welcome to NickTechReviews.com, a podcast where you can learn all about the top-notch latest tech from around the whole world. Today we'll be talking about the all-new MacBook Pro 2021 M1 series, and is the all-new MacBook Pro 2020 M1 a take or win? Well, we're going to have to find out. As most of you know, Apple has announced their newest MacBooks M1 series in the November 2020 MacBook event. In this event, Apple announces not one, not two, but three of their new products. They are the Mac Mini, MacBook Air and the Mighty Mac Pro, all with some major upgrades. We We know that the Mac has always had bold changes and this year it's no different, but also better. In June, Apple transferred to from to Mac Silicon, and now on 10 of November 2020, Mac started making their own blaze fast M1 CPUs into their latest computers. Yep, that's the major evolutionary upgrade of these all new Macs. Apple states that the 13-inch MacBook Pro is the best-selling notebook in its class, and that with the new M1 chip, the MacBook Pro becomes way more powerful. Apparently, the new 8-core CPU delivers 2.8 times faster performance, which allows programs to code nearly 3 times faster with Xcode, Apple's developing software. On the other side, photographers using Photoshop can now edit faster than ever with the new 8-core GPU. It comes with 16GB of fast LPD DDR4X RAM, running at a whopping 3733MHz which allows you better video editing and multitasking. Also, there are faster storage upgrades and a wider variety ranging from 512GB SSD to 2TB of SSD. The new Apple MacBook Pro M1 series can do some things that other laptops in its category can't do, like playing back 8K video footage with zero lag. Now you might ask, but wow, with all this intense processing and demanding work, how does the battery hold up? Well, you're in luck, because this year, the new MacBook series has a new super-efficient battery upgrade, which allows you to surface the web for 17 hours and 20 hours for video playback. That's 10 hours more than the previous 2020 MacBooks. Speaking of battery, the new MacBook Pro M1 series doesn't overheat anymore, thanks to its new active cooling system, which allows it to smash any of its tasks while maintaining a stable temperature. For some, this will be bad news as you can't cook an egg on your computer anymore. Finally, the new MacBook M1 series has two Thunderbolt ports with USB 4 support, which means that you can connect more peripherals than ever like the Pro Display XDR at full resolution. You get Wi-Fi 6, the fastest Wi-Fi connectivity out there on all new M1 Macs for faster internet speed and quality. This year, the design is however the same, which is good, as it has the same familiar body while packed with tremendously upgrade specs. Now both the look and feel and the performance upgrades wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the all new Big Sur Mac OS 11 update. This new software has much more optimization and feature improvements which enhances your experience. All this comes at a whopping price of 1,100 euro for regular people and just 1,015 euro for students. This is the base model. Now, with all that in mind, let's compare it to last year's MacBook Pro 2020. 
The 2020 Intel MacBook Pro Azure Edge has an Intel processor, which is the Intel Core i5 10th generation running at 2GHz and Turbo Boost up to 3.8GHz. It comes with Intel Iris Plus graphics, 16GB of same fast LPD DOR4X memory running at 3730MHz, 12 SSD, 4 Thunderbolt 3 ports, a stylish touch bar and touch ID, and a sleek looking backlit keyboard. And all that came for an even higher price of €1,811. This is the highest spec module that matches the new MacBook Pro 2020 M1 series spec-wise. There's also a cheaper base model with only 8GB of RAM and 256GB of SSD and it comes at €1,321. Yikes! And we'll go back to Nick in a little bit to find out what he decided. Next up, let's head over to St. David's and Greystones to hear from Sarah about the world of baton twirling. This is Give Twirl a Whirl. Hey there, listeners. I'm Sarah Hayden, your host, and you're listening to the premiere episode of the Give Twirl a Whirl podcast. Now... Whether you're a pro twirler, an athlete in training, or just a guy-gal or non-binary pal who wants to give twirl the world, this podcast is for you. And, well, you know, if you stumbled here on accident, please stay. We are very accepting here, and I really need those views. Really. All that said, we've got a fun episode today, so let's get right into it. Today, we will be doing an interview with my dad and coach, the one and only David Hayden or as his nickname, Big Dave. We will also be hearing from a few baton twirlers about their funniest baton moments. And, as a bonus, if you stick around to the end, I'll even tell you one of my funniest baton moments. We will be right back with David Hayden. This is the Give Twirl a Whirl podcast, and I am here with elite coach David Hayden. Hi everyone. It's an honour to have you on the podcast, Coach Dave. Thanks. <laughs> Let's get started with the questions then, shall we? How would you describe your coaching style? Mm. Uh, very technical. I'd like to really get to know my athletes, you know, to have a relationship with them and to work out what makes them tick. That way, I can encourage them to work on what they're good at. Okay, interesting. Do you ever find yourself picking favourites? Never. I don't have favourites. Um, I do have relationships with athletes because they'd be there longer and we'd have the same type of personality, but I, I'd never really have a favourite. Mm -hmm. you know? I disagree. <laughs> Is it hard to see athletes who are raised in the gym leave? Um, it's my pet hate. I like uh, When I was playing GAA, I was always encouraged to put back in. I think that's very evident in, in the GAA circle. And um, I think it's, uh, I, that's the way I like to pride myself on. I try to encourage athletes when they're finished is to stick around. Give it back into the club. The club has given so much to you. So give it back in, come down, coach, stick around. It doesn't have to be all the time, but you can help younger athletes, your role models at the end of the day. Okay, that makes sense. Um, what is one of your proudest moments as a coach? Um, it's so many hard to pick, and there's 
so much more to look forward to at the same time. Um, but as a whole, for me, I really feel proud when we as a club get praise for athletes that do well when they are in internationally. And we've had some really good moments. Um, taking back eight medals from the International Cup last year was a proud moment as a club. Mm-hmm. And I didn't just focus on one person. Um, it was the club that done it. We done it together. Obviously, the individuals win it, but we, the coaches, coached them. We set the platform for them, and um, it's a it's a proud moment to be praised by international coaches, by international clubs, and by our national um, coaches and presidents and association to know that you are there, giving so much more mm. for and your country. Do you feel like that reflects on you? Like you provided for your country as well? Well, yeah, well, we, we provide our athletes, but they're representing their country and their association. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not just me, it's obviously it's your mother, Sarah, as well. So it's Chloe, it's Keen, it's Evie, it's Amy, it's the CG in the past, Jessica, Caroline. We've all given something to provide and just encourage those athletes. And it's, we've all contributed to their development. By the way, they're all athletes in our club, yeah. Rep GBT. Um, do you ever feel like giving up on an athlete if they're not working hard enough? Never, never. Some athletes just take longer to adjust to certain areas of development. You have to encourage and show them that you believe in them. Sometimes they won't believe in themselves and sometimes it's just a bad day. It doesn't work. Yeah. But you keep on showing them that you believe in them. They will thrive. They'll get better. Some athletes are just are, are competitive athletes and some are recreational athletes and you have to accept that. So you never look at an athlete and just think, you are not listening to me. Why? And you just want to throw them out? Yeah, some days, some athletes just thrive up the wrong way. But like they've other things going on in their lives. You know, this is not a, this is an amateur sport, you know, and they're not elite athletes. Even though as they get older and they represent their, their, their country, they, they act like elite athletes. But that's evident in a lot of amateur sports. But you have to accept sometimes it's just not working out for them with their things in school and the things mm-hmm. at home. Yeah. Um, do you remember any times as a coach when you laughed when you really shouldn't have? I'd have to say one of our athletes, I won't name her, but we were down training and uh, she decided to sit in a tyre. <laughs> and uh, she got stuck in the tyre. And we had to call the ambulance <laughs> to saw her out of the tyre. And the, and the fire brigade and the fire brigade and they had to cut her out uh, I shouldn't really laugh but I couldn't help it <laughs> everyone was laughing at her yeah it was a funny moment <laughs> okay and lastly and this one isn't really a question it's more of a statement it is true that I am your favourite athlete obviously you have to say that yeah okay grand <laughs> confirmed everyone knows that even if you can't accept that okay thank you big Dave it's been very informative getting to know more about you and your coaching. I hope everyone liked the interview. I hope you enjoyed it. Did I you? I think I'm going to do my own dadcast. Yeah, dadcast. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right. We will be back with you in a few mo- few moments with Give Twirl a Whirl. Did you enjoy that interview? Because I certainly did. If you want more episodes like that one, make sure to comment who you want me to interview next. I definitely would not complain if I got to meet some star twirlers. On to the second part of the episode, we have the twirling tidbit segment. 
where you get to send in your twirling stories. This week, funniest baton moments. Firstly, we have an entry from Miss Alice Smith. Alice writes, The hall that I train in is split into two, with a big mesh met. I messed that up. That's supposed to be mesh net. We'll ignore that. Mistakes are how you learn, with a big mesh net in the middle. This particular week, my club had decided to pay a special coach to come over from France to train our competitive team. You know, I've always loved when we had ex- like special coaches. It made me feel so like good. It made me feel like someone cared about us, like we were actually training for something. I agree that that's a great way to like train kids and stuff. Um. Anyway, she continues, we were preparing for the European Cup, so this was a very important week. My coaches got us all in the group, told us how important this was, and asked us to act professionally. I obviously didn't get the memo, because I managed to not only get my baton stuck in the net, but I also slipped on the floor and got a concussion. <laughs> Let's just say Xavier the French fancy didn't want to work with me for a while, and FYI, the baton is still stuck there. You know, the best thing about that, other than Xavier the French fancy, is that this happened to me multiple times, because I managed to get mine stuck in the roof somehow, on lights, I don't know, it, that's just how it works. For those who don't really know what a baton is, it's like a balanced metal stick with like two rubber balls on the end. And it manages to get stuck in stuff very, very easily. Nextly, we have Kian Mar. Kian says that at a competition last year, one of his teammates was sick, but nationals were on that weekend. And she was just expected to push through that. And she did. So she tried to. Um, throughout the whole three-minute routine, she was holding in her puke. Okay. Warning for anyone who is squeamish, this one looks like it might be a bit disgusting. Um, thankfully, she was a good sport and waited until after the routine to spew. As we all sat in our, waiting, in our finishing poses, she leapt up from her pose and started waddling away. We all thought she was going to make it to the bathroom until we noticed the trail of vomit coming from her mouth all over the competition floor. Keep in mind, we had to walk off that floor and dodge the sick along the way. Let's just say she lost some dignity that day. Yeah, I'd say she lost some dignity. I, like, I have a story like that. I'm going to do this a lot. I have so many baton stories. When I was younger, I was like 10. I used to go away to all the different competitions, even if I wasn't old enough to compete, because my parents are both coaches. And they all had, like, they had athletes to bring there. So I had to go, because no one would mind me. And I remember we were going to Slovenia one year. And I was so sick that they had to call a doctor to make sure I could still fly. And he was like, yeah, you can fly. You're just going to be sick everywhere. And I was. And every second we walked, I would have to sit down for a few minutes because I kept getting sick. It was horrible. It was the worst experience of my life. Okay, lastly, we have an entry from Amy Sweeney. She says, I remember when I was at International Cup. We've got a pro twirler here. Um, some of the officials that were working on set numbers. Okay. Sorry to interrupt again. For those of you who don't know, your set number is basically the order in which you compete in. Um, they said, she says they mixed up her set number and told her to go on a set before she was actually supposed to perform. She says, I was so confused when there were no available spots to twirl in until they heard my coaches and all of the Ireland supporters yelling at me to get off the floor. By this point, the competition had started and people were twirling while I was standing there like an idiot. I ended up running off and I completely embarrassed myself in front of thousands of spectators. I feel that it's such a big no-no to be on like to be on the floor in baton. Like when people are competing, it's so bad. You're not allowed to walk around or anything. 
because it's a distraction and the athletes can't get distracted. And if they do, those athletes will have to compete again. And they'll be so angry because they're like, why would you walk? I'm competing. Yeah, I get that. Like, I have a similar story to, like, messing up, like, staff messing up. For some reason, they set the competition floor backwards at one of my competitions. And I was, like, 10, so I didn't know they were going to do that. I was so confused. And the elite athletes, they were grand. They went on another bother. I ended up standing backwards. I stopped halfway through. And I made them let me go again, which is not allowed. And then, needless to say, my coaches had a talk with me about appropriate competition etiquette because... I nearly got disqualified. They didn't disqualify me because I was 10. But if I did that when I was any older, I was gone. Now, did you find those stories as funny as I did? Because if you did, you should comment. And you should comment your own baton stories. Whatever you want, anything that comes to mind. It doesn't matter if it's scary, ugly, fails. I don't care. Do it. Okay, finally, as promised, here's my funniest baton story. Right. So if you know baton, we have very, very tight costumes. And we sweat a lot when we compete. It's disgusting. And people don't think we do because we're supposed to be pretty dancers. We sweat a lot. It's gross. It drips. It's gross. And when you add that to the tight costumes, you've got a very, very sticky situation. You know, I'm a pretty high up athlete. I do a lot of routines. I'm expected to compete all the time, always on the move. And last year, I had a team at 245 and then a group number at 252. And that was the time frame I had to compete get my hair done, get my makeup done, and go back onto the competition arena. It was, it was crazy. I remember sprinting through the athletes, plowing into them. The poor yokes didn't even know what was coming, pushed them over, hurt them. They probably were so confused why these screaming Irish children were running into them. In the dressing room, my teammates who were like not competing, they had to come up to, come up to me. They ripped off my costume. People were holding up my bra. People were wiping my face, brushing my hair, like pushing me around, sticking bobby pins into me. And now, if you picture that with the previous point of the tight costume and the sweat, can you picture that? Do you get it now? The costume wouldn't come off. It wouldn't. There was no way it was coming off because I had four minutes. I was drenched in sweat and I couldn't get it off. So they had to cut it. They chopped the costume off and it was so expensive. It was like 300 euro and they'd sew it back together because I couldn't get it off. It was horrible. Um, there were hands everywhere. It was the weirdest moment of my life, honestly. I literally did nothing. I just stood there and it was the most chaotic moment. And I'm sure most of you doubted me and my squad, but we made it. I really made it to that floor in like five minutes. You know, in my humble opinion, I think that really secures Irish superiority. We're so superior that we were able to do that. Anyway, that's all for today. Thank you for tuning in to um, Give Twirl a Whirl. (laughs) Thanks, twirler guys and gals and non-binary pals. And if you enjoyed it, please make sure to follow this podcast and tune in next week, where I will be discussing the pros and cons of flexibility. And that sounds all serious, but I will be featuring some very special guests who are experts in flexibility, and you won't find out until you tune in next week. So please do. Thank you, and see you next week.
Next up, we have an interview with Peter Baxter, the director of Create School. Uh, Peter founded Create School nearly 20 years ago and has been uh, delivering workshops both on-site and online since then. Peter's going to tell us about how things have changed over the last two decades and why it's important to him to deliver creative digital skills workshops to young people across the country. Okay, Peter, welcome to Create School Radio. Um, Thank you. We thought it might be interesting for the students to kind of get, get you know get a background on on the workshops and the work that that you and Create School do. Mm-hmm. So um, I was kind of hoping that you'd give us a little bit of a background on the podcast that featured the students' work. Well, the Song School show started in two thousand and twelve, and we had actually been making commercial podcasts since about two thousand and seven. Bizarrely, so we were we were involved fairly early on in being asked to make we had a recording studio at that stage so we were asked to make uh, podcasts and then we did several different ones we did a, a really interesting project called the iWalk series for F- Dublin tourism and then later on for Fulcher Ireland and from that we started thinking this is a great project to take into schools and that's how the podcasts themselves started and then with song school it was coming to the stage where the students were writing songs and there was no way for anyone beyond their own gang of friends or their teachers or anyone to hear them, really. So we thought, why not showcase them as a podcast? And that's really the the background of all of the workshops Brilliant. being shared. Yeah. And I suppose it's a it's it's a great um, incentive then for students to actually go on online and and hear their their work uh, back as well. Yeah, it's really interesting because effectively you can be in school and make a podcast and then by the time you get home, in theory, the podcast could be shared and be available. So it's pretty cool to be able to show your family and friends what you made that day. That's brilliant, yeah. Obviously, over the last year, things have changed in the way the workshops are being delivered. But um, in regards to technology and things like that that you use in, in your workshops, do you, has it changed much over the past two decades? 100% it has changed. In fact, if it's possible to give more than 100% in a score, I would say that. Uh, Maths isn't my strong point, but it, it isn't. Uh, yeah, it has, because if you think back when we started doing the recording workshops, even in schools, there was a boot full of gear in terms of synthesizers, digital workstations, uh, everything, uh, electronic drum prototypes, you name it. There was everything. All of that effectively is now available as a as an app, something like GarageBand or BandLab that you can put on your phone. So, yeah, amazing. Has it always been recording in some form or at the start wasn't where the song school uh, workshops were obviously live? performance workshops more so were there well there were i suppose there's two different elements of of writing and to go back to the source of it what what the workshop started out as being and they still are in their core essence is to encourage people to creatively express themselves you know we don't say that this is a master class in songwriting it's not it's a master class maybe in creativity or if it was in anything and so the idea is that people tap into that and they they, they explore their own creativity is really what we're about. The, the benefit of recording is that I, I was always taught that recording was a tool and it is, you know, so if you're writing a song, it's a, it's, it's a really logical extension to experiment and record your songs if you're doing it creatively. Whereas the live element is a different 
it's a different thing again entirely and not everyone's as comfortable playing live or performing so it was always important that we had some other element some other way of capturing the songs why is it important then to to introduce the creative digital uh, media skills to, to young people why is that important to you i think the bottom line with that is that we are all living in an age where digital screens are everywhere and the easiest thing we're also self-conscious now about how much time we spend online and we're getting notifications and we're getting uh, different apps and different technologies vying for our attention so we're very much in a consumer-based approach and what i would really like our stuff to be or our our the the essence of what we do is that it's turning from consumer to creator so we're saying to to young people or old people or anybody that what we want is you to what about making your own content and sharing it out there and using technology as a vehicle to do that great and uh, looking back over the last two decades then of of create school is there any workshops or um anything you've kind of worked on that sticks in your mind as a as a unique experience Wow, what a question. Uh, yeah, everything. I mean, there's loads of different projects. The difference in a project sometimes as opposed to a workshop is that often in a workshop we're in for, it, we're in contact with students for a day, two days. And, and one of the good things about the, the current system where we're delivering online a lot is that we get to know students a bit longer because you're probably dealing with them over six weeks or five weeks or whatever it might be. So... A project's different because a project you would often have a, a number of days or or a longer period of time to work with people and you really get to develop a different relationship. You get to see more of the work. People open up a bit more to us and, and we have a chance to do the same with them. You know, you build relationships. That's with, uh, with young people, old people, with anyone. Do you know, it's just natural that yeah. you do. So do any stick out just because of the sheer uh, that sheer fact that we would have had more time. Some of the projects, we tend to get a lot more done in a project as well. Yeah. But I love workshops, too. I think that's a really interesting opportunity to spark uh, some creativity within people. You know, you see the light bulb moment. Yeah, often it's a really rewarding uh, moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's what makes the job what it is you know. I, do, I find that as well when i'm delivering the workshops the that you kind of come away at the end of the day some some kid comes up and says i really enjoyed that you know and yeah you know then that you've you have you like you said turn on the let switch on the light bulb um it's great well, we've had it done to us i i was in school i remember uh i remember my light bulb workshop in a school which was probably the core reason that i started doing this you know just teaching we in an english class one time we brought in some albums and that was a, he had to actually bring in a stereo from home you know, like bring in the speakers we'd got the car and help him bring it in set it up play but we did two songs in english class uh for like the equivalent of leaving cert a higher english class and we went through the the song lyrics as almost poetry you know to study them and to me i thought wow i want to write songs yeah and that was like a double period one Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. So we've all had those. Like we know? have, yeah. I think everyone yeah. can probably pinpoint something that's happened in their life that's kind of set them on a, a mm. creative path, you know. Um, yeah. And I'm still getting light bulb moments, but vice versa from from the students themselves. And uh, when I'm in Same. a workshop, they uh, 
they'll say oh well you know I, I could spend 20 minutes explaining something and, and somebody will turn around and say oh you know what there's another way of doing that and i'm like <laughs> all right okay i knew that but uh yeah thank it, you yeah well yeah. you're always learning and that's I, I, I carry a notebook with me yeah. i'm old school write yeah. down because you get so many great ideas that's it yeah, yeah it's, it's fantastic when that happens mm-hmm. um okay and uh Last question then, Peter. What are you looking forward to then in the future in regards to Create School and, and where it's going and how it will develop? I think just to keep developing new ideas ourselves because that makes it really interesting. And I, for us as, as creative, we're all creative practitioners. Anyone that works with us, we're an educator first and foremost, but we're also at our core we're, educa- we're creatives. We've all doing something, drawing. Uh, I know I'm involved in music, so are you. Some of the guys are involved in film and all uh, animation, lots of different elements. So I, I think it's always interesting to look at developing new ways of yeah. uh, new content for, for courses and new ways of delivering it. One of the really good things with online is that we're able to go to places we've never been to before. So I could be off an island off the coast of Donegal and then I'm in a classroom in Wicklow and, you know, in a in, a, in an after-school group in Carlo. You can be anywhere. Yeah. I love that element. But, you know, you're talking about workshops. What's interesting there, I am in the podcasting workshop, as I say, we've been doing that over 10 years. But every day I'm in and we ask students, what, what, what podcast would you recommend? And I'm forever writing them down, then listening to them in the afternoon. And you get you get turned on to some really interesting podcasts that there's yeah. no way I would ever find otherwise, or probably wouldn't, whatever. I love that. The same with movie making workshops and mm-hmm. they're recommending films to you. I love all that. So you always I still have a list. I have a list that's <laughs> on my phone that's yeah. constantly developing because yeah. so many so many people have so many great uh just I don't know, bank of great films to recommend or yeah. books or whatever songs to everything exactly yeah okay brilliant um thanks peter for talking to us and, thanks uh, justin what, for, for listening what and I'm talking hoping, back yeah, <laughs> what i'm hoping to do is is interview a few of the tutors from create school and you know cool. ask them their their opinions their experiences so hopefully uh, it'll be interesting to the students listening in now um on what it's like from the other side of the workshop you know from from the top of the classroom uh, looking down you mm-hmm. know but uh, brilliant. Uh, thanks, Peter. And Thank I'll talk you. to you soon. Yeah, take, take it care. easy. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. It was Peter Baxter. And uh, now we're going to head back over to Nick to see what he decided about the MacBook Pro M1 series. The question now is, should you be buying last generation's MacBook Pro or the M1 generation MacBook Pro? Honestly, I think you should wait. And I have multiple reasons for that. First of all, this is a brand new type of product for Apple as they only released their first ARM M1 Apple Mac processor. Apple is known for good and premium quality in the recent days, but that wasn't always true. Back when Apple released their first MacBook ever, it had many problems, especially with overheating. And also back when the iPhone 4 was released. Don't even ask me, it was a complete new design and a new type of phone for Apple. And it had many problems with networks until, in the end, Apple fixed it all. History repeats itself, and the same is likely to happen here with the new generation M1 chip as it is completely new and no one knows what problems are lying ahead. 
My second reason is that virtualization or changing between different system softwares is going to be much harder in the beginning. Unlike older Macs, the new M1 Macs won't be able to run Windows since it is designed to run on Intel processors for Mac and now Mac has ARM M processors. There is no way of running Windows yet and everything needs to be redesigned. However, it was said that Linux will be still able to run and virtualize on Macs with the M1 processors as it supports ARM processors. Again, we have to wait for Apple and Microsoft to solve this. Reason number three is apps. Yes, apps. Because again, Apple is making new processors for its Macs and that means most apps won't be supported as they, are, as they were designed for different architecture processors. There are a few apps already out, but we still have to wait and see. My final reason is that literally the upgrades and hardware. Yeah, like there is a new fan system on OS, but honestly, some hardware was not upgraded at all and remained the same, if not worse. For example, the webcam is still 720p as it always was. It's already time to upgrade comparing it to other laptops in its price category and the RAM or storage. On the older version, you were able to upgrade the RAM all the way to 32GB, but now the max is 16 And also, the storage was upgradable to 4TB and now the max is only 2TB. And the speeds are the same. Come on, Apple. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's only Apple's first new generation MacBook with ARM M processors, but seriously, for that price of €1,100, I think there should be some upgrades, or people would just switch to Windows computers, or just keep your older MacBook. Listen, I'm not trying to say that Apple products are bad in any way, instead, I think Apple has one of the best evolutionary quality and design products out there. It's just a matter of time for this product to get better. My main advice is to keep your older MacBook Pro, any Mac device or Windows device instead of upgrading. If you're a wise consumer, then you would most likely just wait up until March when A. It gets cheaper and B. Is that most major bugs or problems will most likely get fixed by that time. Look. This is just an advice and you don't have to listen as it's your money and if you want or need something then you can buy it. It's your choice. Hey, I'm Nick the Tech Geek and thank you for listening to our podcast today on nicktechreviews.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify and YouTube at nicktechreviews.com. Peace. that's all for this episode of create school radio we hope you enjoyed it if you want to find out more about what we do you can check out www.createschool.ie you can also connect with us on facebook twitter and instagram we'll catch you next time